This is the final week in our City Connected series, and uh, we've just been having a great time. And uh, I just want to say before we move on, Marcio, that we're doing a little interview with everybody that's been participating, and this is our um, fourth week of uh, having a pastor or a ministry leader from Hamilton come in. So you're actually, we saved the best to last, right? Yes. Okay. Whatever. I just have to, you know, before we start, though, I just have to say that barbecue, the cookout, sorry, was phenomenal. But if you haven't tasted Blessing's beans, they are amazing, right, Blessing? Yes. See? You got to have that. So we just have to have another cookout just to have Blessing's beans with us. And if you didn't taste those, those were amazing. And I'm sure all the side dishes were amazing as well. I had to say that. Sorry, yeah. just had to say a shout out. Whatever. No, no so, Mercio, it's so good to have you with us. And uh, you and I got to meet each other a couple times beforehand. You introduced me to Ola Portuguese Bakery. That's right. Have you have this is an amazing bakery, best Portuguese tarts in the city, uh, <laughs> apparently. Uh, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself before we talk about the ministry. Um, like, what church are you from? Yeah. Uh, maybe a bit about your family and where yeah. do you live? Okay. Thank you for having me here. It's my pleasure to be with you and enjoy already your service, your heart, your passion for your neighbors and how community get together here. I'm originally from Brazil. I've been in Canada with Elaine, my wife, and my two grown kids since 2008. So it's my 14th year here. And um, I'm, um, I work... Uh, I started working as missionary in Hamilton, and then I became staff at James North Baptist Church, where we have our ministry. That's amazing. Where do you guys live? Where do you live? Yeah. We live here, almost oh, close to you, your neighbor in Shedok Golf Park. Yeah. It's yeah, the neighborhood near Longwood, Aberdeen. Yeah, where all the golf balls drop in. Right? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. the guy who is most hated by the balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so tell us... hundred of balls yeah. in my backyard. We might have some... Sl- oh, there. There's some slides to back this up a little bit. But tell us a little bit about your ministry at James North. You do a lot uh, of different things. So how about start with the Portuguese group? So when we came, we were focusing on refugees and newcomers or immigrants. By the time I was in the North End, we found out that 650 families, first languages are Portuguese. So I'm Brazilian. At first, I was like Jonah. I thought, wow, I'm a Brazilian pastor. Why I should be pastoring Brazilians? Makes no sense. It's better there, easier there. But then I found out tons of Portuguese families around us. So we started reaching the neighborhoods, houses to house, invite them for parties, barbecues, and stuff. And today, we run, well, for the last eight years, we are running a Portuguese, we say, uh, enjoying life program. It's a breakfast, health breakfast for Portuguese, mainly ladies, even though we have two gentlemen together. Mm-hmm. Every Tuesday morning, we give some teaching, we, we kind of get together, I share the verse, I do breathing exercise, I do all sort of things that helps life gets better included emotional, spiritual, Beautiful. and physical. That's With my wife especially because she's the cook, she does the better things. I have noticed that um, you have a lot of food in your ministries. And so Jesus, so that's... And so what, sorry? 
And so Jesus. So Jesus, some people Jesus, say, why march okay. you like that? Say, wow, I'm following, we just follow Jesus. I'm following right. Jesus. He loves food, I do yeah. too. Um, but it's true, yeah. Brazilians doesn't exist without food. Food and soccer comes together. This is what Brazil is about. Perfect. There's a couple of things that I noticed. You, you do something called The Hub, yeah. and then you do something called Coffee's On. Yeah. Okay, can you explain what those All are? All right. So Coffee's On is a program that exists since the church has started, it's like 25 years ago, 28. It's a food bank, but also it's a kind of fellowship. It's kind of integration, the neighbors, poor, marginalized, and people with any sickness, anybody who wants to volunteer as well. So, but the last 10 years I've been running, I'm supervising, we have a great team that we can split and do a lot of things, especially poor life to life. So we provide food but also friendship, mm. and that runs every Friday, and we have about 60 people coming every Friday. Okay. And we do have breakfast as well. Okay. <laughs> okay, and... Um, the hub. The two churches, Brazilian Church. Okay. Let's talk about that first, and then talk about the Karen Church. Okay. okay. The, and the hub, no? Oh, you can talk about whatever you okay. want. Okay, yeah, the yeah, hub... The I hub, thought you did, sorry. Sorry, the hub is something we started... And at the beginning, trying to reach others that go beyond marginalized and poor. We include them, yeah. but we're trying to reach people like us, young people. Like, um, you mean us, young people? Uh, yeah. Okay, that's good. Okay. <laughs> like a Starbucks kind of thing or oh. coffee shop thing. Nice. And we start from there. So we invite people for games, for pool, for ping pong, for coffee. I'm barista. I do cappuccinos, you know flat white coffee, whatever, and then we have dinner and Bible studies and movies, like like that. But we also have, I'm overseas, two immigrant churches. One is the Karen Church, and another is the Brazilian Church. Explain about the Karen Church, because I don't think everybody would would know that. Yeah, the Karen Church, the Karen are a minority group, or as a, a, a ethnic group from Burma, or former Burma, Myanmar. And somehow, in the 1800s, they were evangelized by Adoner Hudson, and kind of they became all Christians, or Baptists, kind of that. And because of that, in a Buddhist country, they were persecuted. Mm-hmm. So the Karen were living already for the last 100 years on the mountain, up the mountain, uh, fleeing from the Chinese, fleeing from the Burmese, mm-hmm. and they are the first nations, actually, the first one to exist. They have... 1,700 years of existence, and the last 200 years, they kind of claimed to be Christians, and they were persecuted. They end up being refugees in 2005, 6, and 7 around the world from this kind of 2 million current people in the world. Probably 10,000 lives in Canada, 500 in Hamilton. Oh, wow. Okay. And I met one who needs furniture. I start from there. Do you need furniture? I can help with that. Yeah. Come to Coffee Zone, come to the hub, come to us. And once they were there, they said, we need something else. They said, what do you need? We need a place to worship. Worship who? God. Yeah. Are you Christian? Yeah, kind of. All right. <laughs> so let's see. And then he had behind over or more than 100 people. It's amazing. So I oversee them, yeah. and now we are training the new leaders, leadership for the next generations. You are doing amazing work, and when I... We had lunch together. I felt like 
we're doing nothing comparatively to you. Like, honestly, like, I think you, you're doing such amazing work, and I, we are doing lots that, that I'm teasing. Um, how can we pray for you? And then I'm going to pray for you and then let you teach. Yeah, so recently we l- started launching a Brazilian church and pray for them because they are the last ministry we added in our play. We can't do much, like you're saying. Mm. We are involved in a lot of things, mm. but we can't do much. We can't do more than we are able to. So we need support, especially in prayer. It's a warfare. Mm. There is no one single day that Elaine and I don't face the enemy, the evil, the bad doors and mm. things like that. Mm. So pray for us. Pray for this new church because we think, especially the Christians who are coming from Brazil and those we are reaching out now, can be another force, you know, mm-hmm. like support for our church. And pray for us, our health, our strength in the Lord, and that I don't retire as soon as I want, but I keep working until Christ says so. Beautiful. That's wonderful. So this is our last in this series of City Connected. If you have not watched this, please go back. Uh, We've been introduced to many, a few different ministries, but there are many in Hamilton outside of us and what we're doing. And so the whole purpose of this is to be partnering in the kingdom. So so thank you for being here. We're looking forward to what God's going to say. Are you okay if we also pray for your health? Yes. Okay. He's had a bump in the road with his health. Now I've told everybody, but that's okay. So let's, let's pray. Let's pray together, and, uh, and Marcia will let you um, preach after that to us. Father, thank you so much for the way that you are uh, in our lives uh, all the time, even when we don't know it. And Father, I thank you for the words that we've sung today, that you are the way maker. And Lord, we just pray uh, that you will just um, make our way um, clear for each one of us as we move forward in our families, in our workplace, uh, in our ministry, whatever we do. And Father, specifically today, we pray for Marcio, we pray for Elaine, we pray for the ministries that they are part of, especially this request for the Brazilian church. Father, pray a, a blessing upon Uh, this amazing ministry they are doing. And Father, I pray for Marcio, and I pray for his health, and I just pray for that you will completely heal uh, just some things that are happening in his life, and just pray that that he will just find himself completely renewed in you. And so, Lord, just pray again and ask that you will just allow us to have ears and hearts that are open to the things that you would have for us to learn this morning through Marcio. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you, brother. Thank you, Pastor John. And I will be glad to talk with any of you if you want to know more about one of those things we are running. And we are in the same team, the kingdom of God, and this is the gospel is progressing. And I really appreciate your prayers for my health. It was so funny because I've been here almost 14 years, and I have this blood pressure, high blood pressure thing on control for the last 15 years. So I came with that from Brazil. Is a gift I didn't want to bring, but I brought. But then a month ago, a half a month ago, it went like a resistance. So my blood pressure were resistant for some reason, and I almost died. So was, I'm not exaggerating. Doctor says, I don't know how you survive. I say, I know. Our God didn't call me yet. So I'm here. 
a week before I got sick, I was recognized my ordination. So it takes time for immigrants to be recognized here. So it took me almost 14 years. What I was in Brazil, I was not here. And then they said, oh, you are a pastor. Of course you are. Let's recognize you. So they almost gave me the recognition one Sunday, the funeral, and then last, next Sunday. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Praise God. Not yet. My wife says amen. <laughs> so Acts 10. I want to go. I know I want to respect your time here. But I want to try to cover something that I think, in one or another way, is related to my experience and many of us that were not born in an evangelical or Protestant uh, home. Also, I cannot believe there is a pattern here that might works in any person. Not the same way, not with the same things, not chronologically that way, but Somehow, it's a model, an example that what can happen with somebody who doesn't know God, started to know God, and then have a relationship with God, and then up being filled by God and be in His hand to be a servant and also a preacher or a witness of the gospel. So, Cornelius, a man known by heaven. I'm going to read the first verses and maybe I'm going to come back, but... For the sake of the time, I'm going to try to focus mainly in those verses, and then I'm going to explain uh, about that. So, Acts 10, if you have your Bible, if we have any uh, reading there, verse 1 to 8. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people or poor and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a turner whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. I chose Cornelius because he's a Gentile. We will see he's the first Italian to be converted. I chose him because this is the turn point of the progressing of the gospel. Jesus already set the tone in Acts 1-8 saying that we will be his witness. In starting Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, until the ends of the earth. And then... By setting the tone, Luke, very smartly and very encouraged by his research, he progressed the gospel and he's writing the way it was supposed to be. It starts first from the Jews. The salvation came from the Jew. Jesus was a Jew. So that pattern followed from the gospel and followed from the book of Acts. And then Acts 2, we see the pour out of the Spirit and everybody being blessed by that promise that Jesus promised. And then, unless the church would be persecuted, unless God would intervene, the gospel would be very much focused on 
the Jewish, the Israelites. But here is the turning point. Here is the tone that Jesus set in the first chapter. Or Luke wrote what Jesus said before he was ascended. The gospel should be going to the end of the earth until all people, all nations, all language. And now is the turning point. So chapter 10 and 11, we are just learning here. You could start from chapter 1. But here is the turning point. Here when is the gospel is going to go over the four walls that was only in Jerusalem. And from now on, their religious experience is going to be changed forever. From now on, the gospel will not be only on the Jewish realm. The gospel is going to start reaching others and others. And Jerusalem, that was the center of it, will be moving to Antioch of Syria, and then to Ephesus, and then, we know, until today, North America, and especially in the South Hemisphere of the Earth. When we read it, we see a name of this Italian general, actually Cornelius. Who was Cornelius? Cornelius was a devoted man, a God-fearing man. Somehow, somewhere down the road, maybe he was overseeing the Jewish more than others. He got in contact with the uh, Jehovah's faith. He was in contact with the true God, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible. And somehow he heard about uh, Jesus. He heard about his miracle. And somehow he got not, he didn't convert to Judaism but he did everything a Jewish would do except being a proselytized. So he didn't become a Jew, but he was worshiping, or he was believing in the same God. And I don't know how would you define your life story, like I tried to, to do here this morning. I was raised Catholic, but mostly atheist. And by the age of 20, God brought my attention to him. And somehow, I end up here. I was converted. I was convinced. I repented. I saw Jesus. And Jesus became my Savior and Lord. And didn't take too much time. I heard once, the same as my wife, in the first message, in the first preaching, in the first day of our lives, hearing the true gospel, we got converted. In this case, even before his conversion, the Bible tells us about this Cornelius. Cornelius and he summarized his life with some adjectives. Somehow, this man that was a centurion, was well respected, was feared for his position. He had, we say, iron fists. He was a strong man, tough man. He was over a hundred people. So this was his reputation. This was his high position, ranked in this Praetorian Guard. Even with all that, that's not what described this man. Despite of his human characteristics, Luke described him as a religious man, and all his household worshiped God. He helped the Jewish poor and always prayed to God. So here, and that was my choice, a great man and a good man. And those combinations are rare to find. Sometimes you find a good politician, not great man. Sometimes you find good people, maybe like you, maybe Pastor John, but maybe not well-known, not great man. Maybe in God's eyes. Here is a great man and a good man. 
rare combination. And somehow Luke understands this narrative, this story that is happening was very uh, worthy to be written and put in here. So this narrative will show us the importance of this conversion, this importance of being known by God, knowing God personally and intimately and make him known to all people. This is what we are talking today. Let us see three interventions that shows us how to get to know God better and consequently witness about him. I don't know how you end up here. I don't know what circumstances brought your attention to the living God. I don't know if it was your parents, your grandparents. I don't know if it was your neighbor. I don't know if it was a friend. I don't know if it was a disease or sickness. I was a very sick child until my 10th year. I was in the hospital because I had asthma. My father was a heavy smoker. He didn't understand that was my problem. And so I was very sick, very skinny, very rachitic, very uh, weak kid. And I was always going to this Catholic hospital, looking to Jesus, died in the cross, crying. I felt sorry about him. I was praying to him. He says, move, do something. And I wasn't hurting that matter because that was only a statue. I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus. But God heard my prayers even there. And by the age of 20, I got to know him. I don't know in your life. In here, there was an angel. And we know the angels were not given this main task. This is our task. We are not here looking for angels, like waiting for angels, even though they exist. But here, in this case, the angel was sent. An angel showed up. An angel was sent by God to speak with Cornelius. And somehow, somewhere, sometimes God moves the heaven in order to reach you. I was... Young, and Eleni knows three or four stories of me. I was one year old, and in Brazil, you have these huge uh, snakes. They say anaconda, I don't know. In Brazil, you say cascavel. And this huge snake came through me. And my parents were so afraid because I live close to the jungle in Brazil, in that part of the city. And they say, if we move something, this snake is going to swallow him, and that's the way that snake eats you. They go around, scratches you, squeezes you, and eat you. Nothing happened. Later on, my mother says, don't step your foot in that rock because it's slippery. I did it. And then I was falling in a waterfall. And then two giant men I thought was working out, men, you know, physical tourists. For me, they were angels actually today. But somehow they grabbed me. And then on and on, things were telling me God exists, even though I didn't know him. Maybe it wasn't an angel, but it was a person. It was somebody who was praying for you. It was a disease, I say, it was an accident he uh, delivered from, it was a circumstance. Somehow, God is calling this man attention. The heavens intervention. And I believe it happens with all of us, in one way or in another way. Even before... Cornelius being able to know God, he was aware of him. Somehow, he was praying, but he was not confident that God was hearing him. Sometimes this bothers us. 
We pray. I talk to my kid, and my kid, they fear God. The youngest more, they follow the Lord. The oldest say he's saved, but we are not sure about that. But one thing he always tells me, he says, Father, it's not fair. I say, what's not fair? You and mommy met God. You and mommy received Christ. You and mommy were visited by the Holy Spirit. You and mommy have the experience I haven't had because I was born like that. So what about you can have? But he's still thinking, what I have and Eleni has is more special than we have. And even though he's loved by God, he's blessed by God, he's a God-chosen guy, he feels not so. And he thinks God hears us more than hears him. But this is what happens. God always hears. Sometimes we don't hear him, but he always hears us. And in this case, maybe Cornelio needs the assurance. Cornelio did, needed this approval. Cornelio needs to be you know, affirmed. And now the angel says, your prayers and your offering has been received and has been heard. And he that was an influenced man could influence his whole family that was already worshiping God. His role could influence many others that we know there was a church in Italy even before Paul preached the gospel. There was a church, maybe through this guy. We never know. But he had no assurance. And even though he had the common grace, the, the general revelation, everybody needs to know Jesus because he's the way, the truth, and the life. And then when he was praying, this angel shows up affirming him. God saw a sincere heart. And the Bible says that he never despises those who humble before himself. Even though he was not a Jew, God was hearing his prayer. A man and a woman can search for God. Maybe they don't, but they can. They can wonder about him. They can try to find a way. That's what religious does. Trying to find our way to God. It doesn't work. That's why God came down uh, clothed in humanity and reached us through Jesus Christ. But we can pray and God can show up anytime. And here, an angel is sent showed up, spoke up, and gave him a message. What was the message? Call Peter. You see, the angel didn't preach the gospel. Call Peter. And Peter, you know what to do. Before application, Pastor John gave me the freedom to tell some stories. I was sick, very sick. 210 and 110, both numbers for blood pressure is not good. My Brazilian doctor says, Pastor, I didn't tell the time, but you should be dead by that time because you were over 10 days with this hypertension high. I was feeling all sort of thing. But let me make the long story short. I'm not here to speak about my pre-funeral thing. When I was in a hospital, suffering this high blood pressure, waiting five, six, seven hours in this ER room, Seeing there were short of nurses, and I was pity of them. Seeing that there was only two ER doctors for 60 people, only in that couple of hours. I didn't know I was there. I need healing, and they never gave me any medication. They did all sort of exams. Heart. Your heart is great. Your echo is great. Your blood uh, test, uh, your urine. You have nothing, but you have a blood pressure thing. But they gave me nothing at that time. And then I asked, Lord, why am I here? Why am I here? 
If I'm sick, if I'm not dying, why am I here? I should be home. But in that two visits in the hospital, I preached the gospel for people that I would never reach before. And one particular lady whose daughter was almost dying, she has asthma, and I know what it is because I still have that. She was almost dying. She said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. She was a young lady in tears, in pain, saying, I'm dying. I'm dying. When I got my number, I told her, I am dying, but she's dying first. So can you take care of her before me? I can hold it a little bit, and I know where I'm going. She says, I can't do that, sir. You are the next. But something happens. After me, they called her. So they broke all the protocols. And that woman, without knowing who I am, she saw that. She shouldn't see, but she saw that. And she said, they attend my daughter because of you. And you are a man from God. Tell me, who are you? And then I said to her, well... He didn't tell me anything, but if he told you I am a man of God and I have something to tell you, let me tell you so. And I preached the gospel. I almost spent an hour with her in her bedroom, in her room with the daughter before I was attended five hours later, and she was hearing God's voice through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? God used my disease or my sickness or almost my death to preach the gospel. Application. What time is finished the service? Just ten moment. You and your prayers are being heard. God does not require of you or me what we cannot give, but you are heard. People out there are heard. Muslim people, Sikh people, Hindu people, Buddhist people, animist people. Their prayers are being heard. But the way they're going to understand God's voice is going to be through Peter. It's going to be through you. It's going to be through me. They can search, and they are okay to search, because this is what the gospel is, a God who came down. But one that can try to know God will need a messenger. The second intervention, or the second intervention, Peter. So the next verse, I won't read. What happened? In the text from verse 9 to 16, and then could go until 9.43, the same voice, the same angel from heaven that spoke with Cornelius, God spoke with Peter through a vision. In his vision, for three times, God was telling Peter to eat thinks that in his law was not possible to be eaten, was unclean. But God was using already this vision to change Peter's eyes, understanding, mindset. Peter, that was a Jew, couldn't even stay in this Simon Turner house because a Turner, maybe this Jew was not so religious about it, was a house who would kill animals, who would have blood everywhere, and he would have faces of animals all around to take the leather and the skins to work with the skins and make clothes and make shoes and make whatever. 
And Peter was already there. And God used all these images that was there in this house that was unclean, with a Jewish that was unclean, unpleasant, not a nice smell. Everything was there. He's hungry. He goes to the roof. He's waiting. He has a trance, not because he ate too much and had a nightmare. He, before he eats, he has a trance, he has a vision, he has a dream with a voice telling him to do it. What amazes me, if I have this kind of dream, I would understand nothing. Would you, Zach? Don't eat this, don't eat that. So if God just says, eat barbecue, steak, I'd say, yes, I'm in it. But telling a Jew to eat pork and pig and that, no. But Peter, who was called by God, now he has his second conversion. His real conversion, salvation, was in Christ. He was a Jew who saw the Messiah, who follows Jesus with all that took, three years and so. But now his heart is still too much inside the church, too much in the synagogue, too much in the temple, too much to Israelites. And somehow God needed to open his mind. He's already working in Cornelius, and now he's working in Peter. And Peter needed a change. If you wanted to reach others, if you want to be a church who, who uh, make a difference in the city, we have to open our minds. We have to go where God goes. We have to follow his leads. Many times I was at risk in here in Hamilton. Many times my boss or my pastor says, Marcio, you are crazy. You just got your license. After have failed six times, let me tell you, don't tell many others. They will be afraid of me. I failed six times in the system. And I was a professional driver in Brazil. How did I? <laughs> Either our system was bad or here there was some corruption get my money too. <laughs> Let me tell you, I could tell this story all day long. But the first fail, you know how I fail? I fail in English. I didn't fail in the driving. Because the lady says, when the police, no police was with Syrian alarm, they, they heard the sound, wow, wow, and stop it. She says, what you are supposed to do? I says, well, I need to go right and then uh, slow down and then and be kind and uh, allow the police to come. She says, no, you need to pull over. I never heard this word except a jacket, pull over. So <laughs> winter, she's telling me, are you cold? Put your pullover. I says, no, I'm fine. I don't need a pullover. She says, okay, go back to school learning, and then you come to do the trap, dive trap. That was my first fail. I, I failed in the English. So make the long story short, I trained more than 25 people driving in this city because I know what they went through. I went through. I failed. I paid lots of it. And I didn't do, I never read the book first and did the, the, the school driving. And then, oh, no, my wife didn't know because the movies pulled over. I didn't know. I thought it was a jacket. I got in trouble. And I helped Iranians, Iraqis, Afghanistans, Somali, other people to get their driving lessons because I went through that same thing. And God used all things. Peter is a man who knows God. But he need his mind changed. He need to know the gospel has to reach all people. His ears, his mind is open. He was converted to Jesus, but he was not converted to the world yet. And from now on, we're going to see Peter and then Paul and all the 
gospel is about John and Peter and then and Peter and Paul and then Paul and Barnabas and Paul and other friends reaching the ends of the earth. What's happened here? Peter understands. His mind is changed. He understands the gospel should not be uh, excluded to Jewish. He now is the change point of history. Now he understands the gospel is not restricted to a people or nation. It should go to Gentile. And he understands that the same thing God was telling him, God was already telling his neighbors. So sometimes we are afraid of reaching the neighbors, but we don't know, Zach, what you're saying. God was already working in your neighbor's life. I have a, a, a neighbor in front of me going through the same thing, leukemia, and he was in a hospital. And sometimes I think, how can I preach the gospel? God is already using and talking to both. The wife comes and says, I know you're a man of prayer. Can you pray for my husband? He's in uh, ICU this week. God is preparing the other side. Don't be afraid. When I passed the last time a, a, a Fagani friend in this driving school, he says, Marcio, I failed like you five times already. What should I do? I says, I don't know, man. He says, how, but how you end up passing? I say, well, what I'm telling you, you can do. Why not? Because I said, God, I'm tired and sick of uh, going home and tell my wife I didn't pass. So if my kids were ashamed of me, say, Father, what you're good at, uh, you know, you don't pass ever this test. And then I said to this Afghani Muslim friend, says, Mr. Afshar, this is the trick thing. I failed five times. The last time I said, Jesus, be my instructor. Be my executor. Be someone who goes with me and help me to pass. And he said, what happened? Oh, he did. Can I pray like that? Oh, let's do it. So he did it. I said, okay, but you have to ask Jesus to come to your heart and help you and help you. That. Can you do that? Oh, if he helped you, what you want? Okay, let's do it. We prayed. Guess what? He passed. <laughs> so now he says, thank Jesus I have drive lessons. I can take my wife here and there. So Peter preached the gospel. And the third intervention for me is the last moment that closed the deal. So there are circumstances, could be an angel, could be a dream, happens a lot with my Muslim friends. And then a person needs to preach, you and me. So Cornelius needs Peter. Peter needs to go. When Peter goes, having a heart in God's hands, softener, we, we prayed, we sung the first music, softener a heart, God is softening someone's heart, and then the last and final intervention, the Holy Spirit. When Peter is preaching, Jesus lived, died, was hung, raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit came down. And a second Pentecostal happened. Actually, a third, if we agree about Samaria in the chapter 8. But happens the same way. The Holy Spirit filled them up, gave them the salvation, sealed the deal. Now they received Jesus through the preaching that Peter preached and witnessed. Now they received the Holy Spirit even before the waters and they after they were baptized in the name of Jesus. And the same phenomenon that happened with them at the beginning happened with them. Salvation was applied to them. 
they were confirmed by the Spirit. And the same experience, the same intimacy, the same phenomena supernaturally happened with them. Cornelius, all his households, all his staff, the six men that was with Peter, all of them experienced the same. And from there, Peter reports in chapter 10 and 11 what happened. and says, if the Holy Spirit did it, how can we not welcome them? Concluding. Cornelius needed Peter. Peter needed to go. The gospel had to be preached in order the Holy Spirit would come down and save people. Where are we in this map? Have you ever heard the gospel? Have you seen God's act in your life? Have you already welcomed Him as your Savior and Lord? If so, are you willing to be a tool, a Peter? To others, I believe this is the call of myself and my wife. The only reason I left Brazil, I was a pastor of 400 uh, church members. I came here to start from the bottom, from scratch, from nothing, how to reach the unreached. We have our neighbors. We have the word in our doorstep. And this church can do in the way you are. I play ping pong. I play soccer. I drive car. I do steak. And that was my main gifts. Because when you can't speak much, my neighbors can smell my steak. <laughs> and I say, do you want a sample of it? They say, of course. Because they are smelling for a month. So steak, driving, ping pong, you know. A lot of Chinese, Indian, they play well. So let's play ping acre. Well, long story short, forget that. Do whatever you want. But remember, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. He uses what we have, what we don't have, what we're going through. He uses our circumstances, and He's going to use your church, this church, to impact your neighborhood and the world. God is talking to people. That's the experience of Cornelius. We need to go and check. Who is he speaking? Let me available. And then by going, now is the work of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to bless us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this amazing experience Peter had, Cornelius had, all the households, and all these people that once were not your people, and they became your people. We are not strong as we think. We are not capable of doing such things, but you are. You are a God living us. You are a God who uses our weakness, our diseases, our willingness, our gifts, our talents, our cultural traits, traits to reach others. So we surrender to you. We ask, open our eyes. Are there things we say we shouldn't do? Are there things we are still blinded to see you are working on? Help us as church to go beyond our doors and walls and share the gospel with the love and power and allowing your Holy Spirit to do the work, saving people from all race, ethnicity, language, and culture with the forgiveness of our sins. Let us go to the Cornelius that are lost. Let's be your Peters around the world. Let be your servant that still obey your great command to go and preach the gospel to all people. And then the end will come. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.